thought this poor boy's life is over before it started. So I, I wanted to have a place where people like him could come and at least have breath to make a choice because for him there was no choice. And I can remember saying to the Lord, if, if you could use me to save just one, it would be worth my whole life. Hi, and welcome back to Leadership Conversations with Nikki Gumbel. I'm Shayla, and I am delighted today that you are going to hear from one of the great missionaries of our time. Over to Nikki to introduce you to Jackie Pullinger. We are about to interview Jackie Pullinger. Jackie Pullinger is a total hero of ours. When I first encountered Jesus, one of the first books I read was this book, Chasing the Dragon. And I can't believe that now it's got, this edition has now got my endorsement, truly inspiring, wonderful book, Nikki Gumbel. One of the greatest honours of my life is to appear on the front cover of Jackie (laughs) Pullinger's book, Chasing the Dragon, One Woman's Struggle Against the Darkness of Hong Kong's Drug Dens. This is an absolute must read. If you've not read this book, I cannot recommend it more highly. We're going to hear little snippets from her story, uh, but of course, a much fuller version is in this book, this remarkable woman who at the age of 22, as a music student, went to Hong Kong by herself and spent much of her life in one of the darkest places, the walled city, left out of the Hong Kong, the the treaty between uh, China and Britain, uh, a place where there there were effectively no laws. And she lived there, she worked amongst the triad gangs, the drug dealers, the sex workers. And she had such an impact that when the walled city was taken down, they put up a plaque to recognize the work of Jackie Pullinger. The queen also recognized her work by giving her the MBE. Uh, and the work, the work that she started all those years ago, over 50 years ago now has grown. There's now a huge uh, campus of homes um, and where there are men, women, young people whose lives are totally transformed, coming off drugs, miraculously being healed, being set free, lives transformed. She uh, married one of the ex-addicts, John, who was the most wonderful man and, and was a, a, a real friend to us. Um, Jackie and John together were real friends to us. Uh, and Jack, John sadly died not that, lo- not that long after they were married. I think they were married for about seven years, but an absolutely wonderful man. And uh, Jackie has been such a blessing to us, to our whole family. Johnny, our son, uh, has spent time over there working with Jackie and uh, like us all has been inspired and hugely helped through her life. And uh, we are delighted that we now have this opportunity to spend some time with her and hear a bit more of her story. Oh, Oh. Jackie, you got me crying already. I don't know why. The moment you came on, I'm just so uh, just moved to see you. Yes. We're so happy to see you. We are so grateful to you for doing this. And you Thank don't realise what an impact you've had on our family and um, everybody, our lives. Nicky's got his hanky out. He's getting very emotional in his old age. And um, uh, you, yes, um, we just, we admire you so much. You don't realise how much we admire you. Well, I, I met you guys. I don't think you were married when I first met you. So, uh, yeah, long, long, long time ago. Yes, that's probably right. Because you've been out in Hong Kong 54 years. Yes, that's definitely before we were married. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Jackie, we would love to hear your story. And if you're happy to start start the beginning, how a, how a wonderful um, 22-year-old music student ended up in Hong Kong. Well, you've started all wrong, because I never admit to my age. So. Oh. <laughs> uh, t- yes. Uh, um, <laughs> how a, you look a two-year-old, like... A two-year-old student. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I normally say I was two or three, yes. Right. <laughs> and you want to know how long I've been there? <laughs> a long time. We'll put it down to yeah. a long time. Yes, a long time. Well, when I really came to know Jesus, um, 
I thought, well, I have eternal life and that's great, um, but that means some people don't. So uh, I'm not too sure if I can uh, enjoy uh, this life if there are people who don't know that they can have eternal life through Jesus and know his love. So, okay, how do I spend my life? So I, I, I think for me, coming to know Jesus was uh, the whole direction of your life is different or how you use it. So I said, okay, what do I, uh, where do I go? What do I do? And he said to me, go. And I looked at the Bible and I prayed, and it was always the same thing. It was always go one way or another. And I had um, a dream. Uh, and in the dream, my family were looking at a map of Africa and with all different countries in, you know, they keep changing the names. And in the middle, uh, in the dream, I saw there was a, a pink one which said Hong Kong. And I was almost sure Hong Kong wasn't there, but wasn't that good at geography. So uh, I said to my aunt, oh, I never knew Hong Kong was there. And she said, yes, of course it is, didn't you know? And I woke up and I thought, oh, I, I was looking at Africa because I'd written to Africa and said, would you like me? And they said, no. Um, maybe uh, I thought missionaries went to Africa because I decided to be a missionary when I was a child. And oh, I'll, I'll think about Hong Kong. So I wrote to Hong Kong and said, would you like me? And they said, no. And um, <laughs> so I also had a, a vision in a little church where, where my parents were living in a, in a village in Kent. And, uh, and, and through that vision, it, it, I knew there were hungry people saying, what can you give us? Um, and so one day I bumped into somebody, uh, in, I was in Croydon, who, who said to me, you got any answers yet? Because he knew I was praying um, about where to go. And I was very embarrassed. And I said, well, no, actually. And he said, whoa, you want to come to our church? We get answers in ours, you know. And he lived in West Croydon. I lived in South Croydon. So anyway, I took the bus to West Croydon and I sat as near to the door as I could in this church uh, because uh, I didn't quite know what happened in prayer meetings where God spoke, you know. I, I'd been to a few where we spoke and um, somebody spoke in tongues and somebody prophesied. This was in 1966, you know, before people really talked about these. And... Um, the Lord said, go, uh, go and I'll show you the way you must walk. And I thought, oh, well, good. I'll come out of the prayer meeting and I'll meet somebody who will offer me a ticket, you know, but they didn't. So I finally went to see um, a, 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 a vicar in Shoreditch. And I said, well, listen, God and me have got to stalemate. He keeps telling me to go and and I say, where? And he says, go and I'll show you. And I say, thanks very much, God, but could you be a bit clearer? Um, and uh, so I think I'll stay here in Shoreditch and help you. And he said, no, no, don't. You, if God's telling you to go, you must go. Um, why don't you find a ship that's calling in as many countries as possible and pray that God will tell you where to get off? So that now that was the first sensible thing I'd heard in months. So I said, well, that sounds wonderful, but um, that I'm sure it's cheating because missionaries have to suffer. So, and he said, no, he said, that's what Abraham did. He, God told him to go and he spent most of his life not getting there. So, um, and then I thought, how wonderful. Um, he said, find a, a ship that's calling in as many countries as you can and pray to know where to get off. And I thought, maybe we'll get shipwrecked and, and, and I will end up on an island where um, somebody's waiting to hear about Jesus. And so I thought, you just can't lose. So that's just what I did. I, a few months later, um, 
I found a, the cheapest ship I could, got on it, had all my injections in case I had to get off somewhere along the way, and um, ended up two months later in Hong Kong. Mm. Amazing, amazing. And you felt clearly when you got to Hong Kong, this is the place. Well, there was only one more it could have been. That was Japan. Um, yes, I did. Yeah, I, it was... Um, the, the, it was the first place with perspective. I don't know quite what that, I just found myself saying that. Thank you, Lord, for choosing this place. And so I got off and then prayed what to do and how to live. Amazing. And at that stage, you didn't speak Chinese. I mean, you didn't. Oh, obviously not. No. no so, I didn't um, it was amazing to go into to that context. Not speaking the language. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, there are lots of, uh, of foreigners that live here forever and never learn, but then they only <laughs> they only mix with foreigners anyway. Um, so, uh, no, it was it was looking back at it, it seems you know terribly brave and adventurous, but it, it, it wasn't because uh, whatever God's got for you is right for you. So it would be foolhardy for somebody else to do what I did. But that was, it didn't seem difficult to me. Not at all. It was quite fun. Well, Jackie, will you tell us a bit what the wall city was like when you first arrived and how you ended up in it? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I didn't know, I didn't know what it was. It, it just sounded like a, a poor place. And um, so, I arrived and there was a whole street of um, false teeth shops. Uh, I now know they were illegal dentists, but they could practice in the walled city because it was, although it was um, in Hong Kong, uh, Kowloon, it was outside Hong Kong's law. It was a peculiar relic from the um, signing the treaty with Britain uh, uh, about 150 or so years before. And um, so I didn't know there was a city, but it just looked like uh, a big tenement building. And then uh, I squeezed in between two build buildings. It's about two or three feet wide, down a dark lane. And in those days, there was no light. Mm. Um, and found... It was a bit like being in a, in a rabbit hole, go down somewhere, and then the whole place is a warren, but no rabbits, lots of um, rats. Hmm. In, in, in its um, most uh, congested time, there were about 100,000 people in about um, five or six acres. So uh, it, it's just the same as any a squatter area anywhere in the world, except this one went up. And uh, because it was outside the law, um, people just built on top of buildings. So it's a bit like a, a card house, one more layer, one more layer. And, a, a, and they didn't pile them. They didn't put proper foundations because they didn't have to go through um, Hong Kong building regulations. So it was just like the whole place was holding itself up. But that was, that was just the physical bit, you know, no light, no electricity, no water, um, just a couple of stand pumps inside, which the water wasn't clean. Um, so, but you could sort of wash the floor. Uh, but that was, the, that was just the physical place. Um, everybody lived in one room, of course, but they still do. Uh, that much has not changed. Uh, and uh, one family, in those days families were, were big um, because it, it was before there was family planning and it was also when people thought their wealth were, were their children. So mm. you'd have as many as possible. One family I knew had um, 11. Mm. Children, but they were all girls, so they were still trying. Because mm -hmm. uh, they, you must have a boy, because the girls don't bring you riches. Mm -hmm. um, 
but later on, I learned that that because it was outside the law, this was also the place where um, people could do illegal things. Um, and the gangs, uh, there were two main triads there who controlled the opium dens, the heroin dens, the gambling dens, um, and the girls who were um, often sold, just 15-year-olds. Nothing you can't see anywhere in the world today, but because it was so uh, compact, mm. it just looked exaggerated. Mm. Yeah, that was it. Hmm. And the need must have looked huge. What did you do? How did you even begin to work there or, or go there? Or... Well, I've never, I've never been very good at big things. Um, I can mostly, mostly only manage one person at a time. Hmm. That's, if I go to meetings, I, 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 I can't speak to a crowd. I could speak to one man. So. Uh, I, I went in with a missionary and she asked if I wanted to teach at her school. I already had a, another teaching job, but I started to do that. Um, and the kids brought me in or out. So I learned the way. And because I was with the children, all the gangsters that were running the different dens and the, there were some ordinary residents of, of, as well, but they saw me with the children and they all wanted their children to have a better life. Mm. So they, they were kind to me because I was with the children. Um, so I learned the ways and then I began to see the needs. Um, and I can remember walking the streets um, and the, there was just outside, there was a whole street full of drug addicts. Um, and because it was outside, the street was a bit wider. And they'd just been to the large drug dens, which were like in tents, uh, tin tents. And they, they were sitting there with their, uh, leaning against the squatter huts with their legs out. So you had to walk over the legs. And I can remember saying to the Lord, um, if, if you could, use me to save just one, hmm. it would be worth my whole life. Hmm. And by the way, I don't mind knowing which one. So uh, after a little bit, I, I, I helped to teach in, that, in a missionary's little school. Um, I, I started a youth club um, just to get to know uh, the teenagers because uh, there was one particular one who was expelled from the, the missionary school. Uh, in, he was in primary, primary school and he was expelled. And uh, I saw him selling tickets at the, at the Blue Film Theatre um, where, they, where they had live sex shows with, 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 with the teenage girls that mm. had been cheated or mm. sold or whatever. Mm. and uh, he was selling tickets um, and I thought this poor boy's life is over before it started mm. uh, so I, I wanted to have a place where people like him could come um, and not necessarily um, force them to believe in Jesus but have someone neutral so you can come and play ping pong and, and at least have breath to make a choice, mm. uh, because for him there was no choice. Mm. He was out of school and into a blue film theater. That was it. Mm. And I wanted them to have a choice. So, so that's how I started the youth club. Mm. And the triad gangs, how did, how did all that happen? Well, in the youth club, I had a mixture of people. In those days, there was no free school. So, uh, None of them were in, in secondary school and a few did a few years of primary school and, and then uh, ran away or lived in the streets or joined the gangs. Um, so I had a mixture in the youth club and we used to go swimming and uh, I hired buses and we, we had summer camps and we uh, 
played ping pong and uh, skateboarding, all kinds of things. Um, and they were very careless with the equipment. And uh, one day I complained, one of the, there was a, the second uh, in command of, of one big triad was there. And I said, you know, you're, you're very careless to throw around these skateboards and footballs and things. And he said, well, you, uh, you've got all these rich people who, 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 who subsidize this, so what? And I said, I don't, I don't, you know, I paid for it myself, but he didn't believe it. Hmm. And, uh, and so greedy with the sandwiches that I provided, which I paid for myself, you know. And one day uh, they discovered um, that I did pay for them myself. Hmm. Uh, prior to that, they thought missionaries could get them into schools. If they got baptized, they'd get into a better school because uh, that's how it works. And uh, they could get things off me. I could introduce them to jobs or people. And of course, I didn't know anyone important and I couldn't introduce them to it. I couldn't even give them a baptism certificate, you know. So when they actually found out there was no advantage to knowing me, all the good people left just as well. And the, the, and, and the bad people remained because we liked each other. So they happened all to be gangsters. Um, and uh, yeah, I, later on I found out that half of them were drug addicts. Uh, and uh, so uh, one day um, the whole place got um, beat up. And one of the uh, one of the little triads who, who uh, rang me at about four in the morning. I was living outside Wall City, and he he called me and he said, um, "Oh, you've got to come. They've beaten up the place." So I came down and I found the whole place with sewage on the walls and the chairs were broken. My little room. I mean, it was very little, only big enough for ping pong table really, uh, and darts um, and. I found out that it was the, the people I'd spent most time with who'd done it, um, which is how crowds work. And so uh, I, I spent the day um, weeping and sweeping. And uh, while I was doing that, I was thinking, ah, well, I can go back to London and uh, I didn't have to stay here. And while I was thinking that, I thought of two scriptures. And one is, if somebody hits you on one cheek, you should offer the other, which, which is not smart. Uh, and the other is when everything goes wrong, you should praise the Lord, which doesn't seem sensible either. So anyway, I did sweep and weep and praise the Lord. And then this stranger appeared at the door. And... Um, and he said, uh, have you got any problems? And I said, no, I'm fine, thank you very much. Who are you? And he said, Okoko sent me, Okoko is the name of the um, triad boss, whom I hadn't met. I used to send him notes every, every week, like Jesus loves you, you know, but for some reason he'd not wanted to see me. And uh, he said, Coco says, if anybody touches you or touches this place, we're going to do them. And I said, that's really kind of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, would you please tell Coco I'm very appreciative that I refuse his offer. And, um, but I got his protection anyway because he was under orders. So every time I went in or out of Wall City, he followed me. And I used to tell him about Jesus, which he didn't want to hear at all. Um, but he had to take it because uh, God, God told him. So, um, of course, he was a drug addict and I knew, but he didn't know I knew. And he asked how his friend could get helped. And I said, oh, it's very simple. You know, we'll just lock him in a room for 72 hours and... Um, if he's alive at the end of 72 hours, he'll be off drugs. Uh, but of 
course, his feet will walk straight back because um, only, only one person can settle a man's heart. Um, and drugs is a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of the body. So uh, it's Jesus who can settle a man's heart. Well, after a few weeks of this, I, uh, he never came in the door to, to, the, to the youth club. After a few weeks, I said to him, why don't you come in? And he said, oh, okay. Um, and he came in and he started to praise God and sang the only song he knew, because I used to sing it at my meetings. Um, in my meetings, only, only four of us were ever there. That was me and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you know. Uh, but <laughs> everybody else used to go out for a smoke and... Um, but he'd heard this, so he began to sing the only song he'd ever heard, which is, give me oil in my lamp to keep me burning, which is pretty good for an opium addict. And um, he came in and he sang it, and he started to pray, and he'd never heard anyone pray, just asking Jesus' help. And then he began to pray in tongues, and he did this for about half an hour, and uh, he was off drugs. That was it. So, I mean, physically. Mm -hmm. I, did, I thought that was the end of the story. But um, then after that, all his friends started to knock on my door. I was living just outside Wall City at that time and said, uh, well, if Jesus can save that man, then I'll believe in Jesus and I'll live in your house. Because by this time he, he was living with me because his former um, where he lived before was a drug den, actually in an opium den. So then my house filled up and that was sort of the beginning of uh, Amazing. a lot. And had you told him about the gift of tongues or was that spontaneous? No, 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 he, no I hadn't. I mean, the interesting thing is um, that if he's telling the story, he'll tell it differently because tongues is so unreasonable that, um, you know, he, he, he may not even have known. Hmm. No, I didn't tell him about it. So, um, but uh, for us here, that's never an extraordinary thing. You know, we sort of expect, uh, expect the Lord to be that sweet, um, hmm. just like giving a baby the gift of crying. Hmm. You know, you, you can speak from the word go. Hmm. And Jackie, what happened to all these former tribe gang leaders and drug addicts? How, how did they come off their drugs? And how did... uh, well, he was he was um, sovereign. I mean, like that just happened, and the next one also uh, just happened. And I thought that was the end of the story um, until I, because I thought if anyone is in Christ, he's a new man. Of course, I was wrong. Um, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new baby um, and he needs some growing up. So uh, I took him into my home and then when his friends came, the same thing happened, except this time we made sure it happened. We said, will you believe in Jesus? Yes. They didn't know anything. They just said yes, because their friend had changed. So uh, will you believe he died on the cross for your sins? Yes. Good. Uh, will you believe he rose again? Yes, I've just met him. Good. Right now he'll give you a new prayer language. Would you like to follow him forever? Yes. And then they, and then we'd make sure they pray in tongues and we had somebody with them every single minute for um, 72 hours. Nowadays we do someone with them every moment for 10 days, which is a lot of people. Yes. Um, and they could all get off drugs without pain. Uh, just just like the first two. Um, so it was just like the miracle happened at the beginning. And then after that, we, we had to apply it um, and, and make sure we, we worked through it with them. Um, but that, again, 10 days, that's the easy bit, praying somebody physically off drugs. Then there's the uh, all dealing with all the stuff and all the junk and all the fear and all everything else that's down there, which um, I didn't understand at all. I, I mean, I, I didn't know I didn't know any of that. Uh, 
I didn't understand. Uh, I, I hadn't grown up myself in a family where we ever talked about what we felt or thought. I, I didn't have language for my own emotions and they sure didn't. Mm -hmm. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a mutual learning time uh, and until I began to see that deep, deep, deep down inside each one of us, what we think of ourselves, what we fear, um, what we hunger for, all of those things, um, the Lord indeed knows and does want to address. And uh, these men and women and teenagers who've lived with us have been so brave because they, I mean, braver than most people because they, they allow Jesus to touch those places. We don't, by the way, we don't try and dig into people's lives. We don't make them go back into the past or anything like that. But the Holy Spirit does help them to remember things which caused pain, even at the age of three or two or something, and, uh, and would remain uh, buried until Jesus took it away. Um, yeah, so that's been very exciting. Um, but it, you know, once I took all these people into my house, it ruined my ministry. Because <laughs> I couldn't be out in the streets evangelizing, you know. There I was suddenly being something very not me, which was a house mother, you know. I really did not want to be a house mother. Um, in fact, a prisoner, uh, which I guess a lot of mothers feel when they've got babies, you know. I am shut in. I'm not doing the things in the church that everybody else is. But so it is. Um, and Jackie... Yeah. And, and Jackie, for anyone who's listening to this, who, who maybe has never even heard of what the gift of tongues is, why, just explain why, what that is and, and why that was so significant. Um, when the, the first disciples uh, were praying after Jesus ascended to heaven, he said, wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit um, and I will give you power to be witnesses. And so they began to pray uh, for whatever that this power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses was. And then um, on the day of Pentecost, which was uh, 10 days later, the Holy Spirit came and they began to praise God in languages they hadn't learned. And a whole crowd gathered. And Peter said, what you see, because uh, there were also tongues of fire on their head, and what you hear, which was speaking in tongues and, and a wind, this is what uh, the Lord promised. And you too can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit if you repent. So that was when uh, 3,000 people came to Jesus. Um, so this was one of the early signs. It's not the sign, but this was one of the early signs of receiving the power to make Jesus known. Hmm. So we have the, when we believe we have the Holy Spirit living in us, when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives us power gifts to help other people um, when we meet together and the gift of tongues to help us when we talk to him. Hmm. So um, every believer can, um, if, especially if he's around people that believe he can. And um, it, it's like a baby. Uh, when a baby's born, it hasn't yet learned English. So it doesn't know how to say I'm hungry or pick me up or my head's stuck in the, in, in, in the bars. Uh, it just, yeah, and mother knows. She says, oh, he's hungry, mm. or he wants to be picked up. So the cry is God's gift to the child who knows exactly what he wants to say. He just hasn't learned to say it. Mm. So that's what the gift of tongues is. It's to help us say exactly what we know we, we want to say, but we don't know how to say it. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's to help us when we don't know. And when we do know, we speak in our own language. Hmm. Right. And when you've received the gift, you, you can't lose it. It's, uh, they're known languages sometimes. Um, I've prayed with people who've received uh, Spanish, Italian, Latin, French, 
which I've understood as they've received and they didn't know it. And I myself have spoken in Portuguese twice, a Philippine and an African language, uh, because people have heard me speaking in tongues and have said, did you know? That's <laughs> such power, yes. And you use the gift yourself, don't you, uh, regularly? And say why that makes a difference and what you found when you started praying like that. The difference, I think, is that, for me, um, is that you don't know how to pray all the time. I'm, I'm not a very good prayer. So uh, it, it, the scripture says that the spirit helps us in your weakness. So um, what, how I started was like this. Um, Lord, I don't know how to pray very well. Will you help me? And the, the very first one was when a, a, a friend I was praying with um, understood my prayer and interpreted it. And I thought, oh, I wish I could pray like that. And, and oh, wait a minute, I did. Um, so uh, I, I used to do it like this. I used to say, um, dear Lord, there are all these people who are dying, uh, dying before they've lived. Would you please help me to speak to the ones you've got ready? Now, before that, I prayed a different way. I would say, uh, I want to speak to our Ping, please bless me. I want to speak to our Ming, please bless me. So it was my idea and his blessing. But this way around, I said, would you lead me to the people you've got ready? Um, and again, and by the way, I don't need to know who they are uh, or, or, or even if, if anything ever happens, but just help me to pray for them. So it was a different way around. It was praying his idea, not mine. Mm -hmm. And that was when I started to bump into people all the time who just responded to Jesus. And I, you know, first of all, I thought, oh, my Chinese has got so good. You know, because I'd say, would you like to believe in Jesus? And they'd fall on their knees in the street. You know, I thought, oh, this is amazing. But in fact, I was saying the same things I said before. But this time, um, I was saying to, them, to the right people, they were just ready to believe. And that's, of course, what evangelism is. Mm. It's, he does the whole thing. Mm. You know, he uses you and he gets them ready. And, but you didn't do it. You were in it. Mm. Um, uh, Jackie, you're typically understated, but when the, when, when the Wall City was taken down, the, the Hong Kong government put up, where it had been, there's a plaque, isn't there, which says, Jackie Pullinger, MBE, the Queen gave you an MBE for what you've done. And they recognised the impact. Someone did. I, I, anyway, I'd rather have, a, I'd rather have a, a, a reward up there. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll get one, Jackie. There's no about doubt that. about that. Yes, you will definitely get. Oh that. dear, I just find the whole thing so moving, Jackie. But but also, you've been through some tough times. You know, mm. it hasn't all been easy. You I know, mean, how have you kept going? How have you not I mean, got we knew, discouraged along we, the way? We knew and loved your husband John so much, yes, and had such fun with man. you two together. Um, mm. And that's and you've you've been some through some tough times recently, haven't you? It's it's with health and things. it's not easy. How do you keep going? You're still smiling, still praying for everyone. <laughs> oh, but actually, uh, the lines for me have fallen in very pleasant places. I've had more good times than bad. And, uh, you know, the, the years I spent with John, uh, who came to HDB actually, uh, were, were so much better and, 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 and sweeter and good than the loss of him. So uh, I, I had. Uh, cancer a uh, couple of years ago. That's why my hair's different now. Nice. Yeah. I like it. It's cool. Well, I haven't decided yet. But anyway, that's how it grew back. Uh, no, uh, I, I don't know. The the uh, Paul talks about the light and momentary afflictions. Um, and think how many times he'd been whipped and imprisoned and stoned. I mean, I, I haven't had that. Uh, my, I've had difficulties. Um, 
Well, all of it's turned out very sweet, you know, all of it's turned out very sweet. You know, I can look back and think, if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't know how to help that person. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also, it's been, Lord, would you turn all of that, was, which was so difficult, would, through the cross, would you turn it all around for good? And then, then in the end, the, 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 the good fruit that's come out of it has been out of sight, more weighty than the uh, bitter fruit that I tasted. Mm. That's so interesting. That's the gospel. And you've still, I mean, you've got now premises, you've built a, um, a place up in the hills, beautiful charting, um, uh, that, that you, were, you, had, you were given the land, I believe. You've had favour, really, wherever you've gone. And are you seeing the same things as you, see, you saw when you first started? Or do you think things have changed? How do you think the world is or, or life in Hong Kong? But probably well, the- Hong Kong's pretty similar because the day I arrived was the day of the riots. Um, <laughs> and it's the day of the riots now. But those riots were communist riots. Uh, that was the Cultural Revolution, which spilled over from China. Uh, I don't know if anything has changed apart from, it's probably like in most countries, uh, Hong Kong was desperately poor in those days, but there was more of a chance for people with nothing to get on by hard work than there is now. And... Yeah, I think that's the, the, the difficulty. But um, sometimes I think I wish I'd known what I knew then. I didn't know how to pray for the sick. I didn't know about how to help drug addicts. I didn't know how to pray for people who'd been through distress um, and slavery or oppression. I have a better idea now. So I, I guess what's slightly changed now is that I, I, I can spend more time helping our people to learn how to do that so they can go and do it here and around in Asia. So we're, we're in uh, quite a few countries in Asia now where we're doing the same thing um, with the poor. Um, yeah, um, I would, the, uh, we did um, get land, which the government give us. We did put up, buildings uh, i would have to encourage everybody if you ever can avoid buildings do <laughs> to look after the building i rather would look after the people but there you are uh, that was a hopefully a one-off in mm. in every other country that we're in um apart from philippines um we we, we just start we send a team they, they rent a place and they say, now, Lord, what? And they bump into a poor child or a sick mother or a, somebody living in the streets and they lead them to Jesus and they pray for the sick. That's, how, that's what we do in every country. And that, that's all I care to leave behind. Yes. Mm. It was something Johnny said. He loved the simplicity of life in Hong Kong um, with you, uh, that it was so simple that you you feed the poor and you tell people about Jesus and that's what you've been doing for over 50 years and you're still doing that. And, and the other thing he said um, was that, um, I mean, one of the ways in which you're like Jesus is you, you comfort the disturbed and you disturb the comfortable. <laughs> oh, oh, what a good phrase. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't intentionally provoke, but there is something in me that does stir. I know. <laughs> but we've seen you. We've seen you doing both, Jackie. We've seen you uh, comforting the, the disturbed, which is very moving. Um, just watching you minister, praying with um, people is so moving. Yes. But also, so we've 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 heard you challenging <laughs> the rest important. of us. This is equally important. But people are struggling. I mean, you see it perhaps, obviously, in Hong Kong, but I mean, people are struggling everywhere. And perhaps now, in since the pandemic, there's a lot of people who are struggling 
a lot with all sorts of things, people, uh, even in England, where things are easier, you can get, uh, well, still a lot of poverty, but if people are still struggling with their lives and uh, people have a lot of mental health issues, mental health issues, a lot of problems around the, the I mean, I think the world is being shaken. What do you feel is going on and how do we pray into all that? Well, for us, it, it, it's been a really sweet time. I mean, really sweet. We've, our teams have gone out. Um, we, we called it the five to work out with five loaves and two fishes. Um, and we, we've uh, distributed tens of thousands of masks, uh, five pounds or five kilos of rice at a time, walking up eight floors of stairs to find uh, what's called a subdivided apartment. And we've knocked on the door. Previously, nobody would answer the door because one person's apartment has been chopped up into five or six. So nobody will answer the front door. Um, but now they will. And we've prayed and we get words of knowledge and prophecies um, and say, Lord, show us where the people are hungry because the very poorest people don't have credit cards. They can't order food online. So when they're locked down, they're locked down. They haven't got computers. So we found them and it's just been like a, a connection of we've got good news and you're waiting to hear it. Um, and we have to tell our teams, you, they don't have to believe in Jesus. They don't have to believe, just give them the food. But they, but they usually say, can we pray for you? And nearly everybody will say yes. And in that way, people have got healed. And the people who are doing that are, are men and women and teenagers who've come off drugs. And I, I suppose that the nicest thing that's happened for us, and I've been waiting for it for years and years, is that we've got a bunch of what I call rich people um, who are Christians, who happen to be part of us now, that we haven't had this before. And they partner with our ex-drug addicts to, to go out in the teams. And this has gone on every day. We've had, uh, in the last uh, year, over a hundred families have come to know Jesus. And this is when, even when we've said, they haven't got to come to Jesus, you know, that's the, the point is that we go with good news, not that we count up, up how many believers, but nevertheless, there have been. So the times have been sweet for us because uh, we know how to do this. This is, the, we haven't had to adjust. This is what we do. Um, what we will have to adjust once we open up is how we go on meeting with them um, because that we don't know yet how to do that. Um, we're just meeting in ones and twos and families and so on at the minute. But the response has been amazing. And the, of course, the people who've enjoyed it the most are the people who are going out and doing it. And this has been every day for nearly a whole year. That's amazing. Jackie, will you tell us a little bit more about words of knowledge and, and sort of the, the gifts of the spirit, people who might not know? Um, well, the Lord gifts us and all his um, gifts, except the gift of tongues for personal use, are to help other people. So they're, they're, they're uh, not gifts you think up and they're also temporary. So you get one today and another one tomorrow. So uh, a gift of knowledge may be that the Lord says, you're going to meet somebody with uh, black glasses with a mole on his cheek, you know? Uh, and so when they meet that person, they, they know, ah, we knew about this person. And the, 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 then they might say to him, how is your son? And he'll say, how did you know about my son? That's also, um, a word of knowledge and uh, and then you pray for them and you know then they'll start crying and saying you know I was I was so worried about my son I didn't know where he was so it's these gifts are to help us help other people and if you ever go to little home groups or hopefully big services uh, Big services, most people don't know how to arrange these things. So they sort of don't do it that much, which is a pity. Because if you do it in the big service, you get practice of how to do it 
when you go out. These, this is really what the gifts are for, for out. So you, you um, and then they, they, this is how they lead them to know Jesus. And they, you don't have to persuade them at all because they have just met him. So it, it, it isn't that we have to say, here's a little leaflet about who Jesus is or why he came or anything. It's, he knows about your son. He is the Lord of life. Close your eyes and you'll meet him because he was the one who came to earth for your life and your son. And then this is how they come to know Jesus. And if they're born that way, uh, it, 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 they go on that way. Mm -hmm. um, so gifts, they're temporary. You don't get to keep that gift of knowledge forever. You, you'll, you'll, you might need the gift of healing tomorrow when you pray for a, a, a sick man. So, yeah, they're not giftings. Giftings are, are characteristics that, that we keep. Hmm. And Jackie also, um, I, 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 I'm just a slight um, switch, but it's um, the parable of the Good Samaritan is... I, I know you, you I think you're talking to the addicts and you're, you always talk about from Jesus's words mm. and, uh, and the parable of the Good Samaritan, I know is something that, something that you often speak about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, for, first of all, if you look at that parable, um, there was a priest and there was a Levite who saw the man who'd been waylaid and, and uh, beaten up, uh, but they passed on. So the important thing is when we see to understand um, that the Lord has shown us someone and we can see every day, we can walk, walk around and actually see someone. This is what Africans often greet you with, I see you. Mm -hmm. um, so the Samaritan saw him and then he went to him and then he had compassion on him and then he bandaged his wounds with his own oil and his uh, wine and then he put him on his donkey, not the church donkey. Then he... Uh, took him to the edge of the town and he didn't drop them off at the, ho at the homeless hostel. He, he, he put him with him in, in an inn and paid for him. And when he left, I often think he was a commercial traveler. Uh, he planned to come back to him and, and pay for him. And my, my journey with the lost has been like that. Um, one step has led to another step, has led to another step. And, and I often say to people, you, you, you don't have to do the whole thing with everyone. Mm -hmm. You haven't got to see them and do the whole thing, and, but go as far as you can. Mm -hmm. um, that's it. And at least after seeing them, you must do one more thing. Mm -hmm. Go to them somehow, whether it's just you, you play, Pray a quick prayer, um, and 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 that might be all you can do. Um, but first of all, cannot pass by. Secondly, must go, because if we don't, then we get hard-hearted, mm. and we get so we get used to the poor, and then people. There are so many what can we do? And that's when we start to think the government or the church or someone ought to, you know, we start speaking in those terms when actually if the Lord has shown us anyone ever in need anywhere at any time, we're supposed to do something ourselves. Mm. So the gospel is terribly simple. It's uh, loving the Lord, your God and your neighbor. That's what the whole thing's about. And we've tried to improve on it by sophisticated gospel preaching when it's terribly simple. And uh, uh, Jackie, uh, 
uh, Chasing the Dragon, um, everyone should read. Um, uh, the most inspiring book that uh, certainly I think it was one of the first books I read when when I first encountered Jesus and um, uh, never without a copy. Um, but then also you did this later, there's this one, a Crack in the Wall. And in this, you talk about vision. And I know vision is a funny word and it can be sort of, but you talk about the vision that you had for the walled city. When you arrived there, you had a vision. And just talk about what that vision, what you saw. What you saw. Okay. Um, first of all, vision is what the Lord shows you. It's definitely not what people mean by vision today, because they, they, you know, you'll you'll talk about Starbucks vision or mission statement. You know, everybody's got a, and uh, it, it it's. Vision is something you've seen. Um, and when you've seen it, you don't need to make it happen. So all the stress is off. You haven't got to have the biggest church or anything. You haven't got to do anything. You just need to see it. Because if the Lord shows you it, he will do it. Um, and that lays the stress off you. It also lays the stress off the people that you're trying to help because they haven't got to respond in order to make you look good. So I saw another city. It was like the Hebrews chapter. I saw a city filled with life. I saw drug addicts with no needle marks. I saw old lady prostitutes with their heads lifted in a home starting life. Uh, anew, I saw children uh, playing in the streets in those days, they were locked in. Um, I saw old men uh, who weren't very good gangsters. They, they just, with their heads lifted, I'm known and I'm loved and I am special. And I, I saw all that, so I saw another city. I just didn't know how to make it happen. And in fact, you don't have to make it happen. You just need to see it. And uh, of course I have seen it. Mm. First of all, um, I saw uh, when they pulled the wall city down, which they did in, in the nineties, um, they built the most beautiful garden, uh, which, is, which is like everything I saw. Um, and the other is uh, the, the place where Johnny came to stay with us, um, which is, uh, We've got a swimming pool, we've got a football field, we've got a tennis court, we've got a climbing wall, we've got uh, a paddling pool for kids, we've got homes for teenagers, we've got everything that I wanted the people in the World City to have. And so I call it um, seeing twice or seeing three times. Once I saw in the spirit, and if you see in the spirit, God will do it. Maybe not in your lifetime but he will do it. But I actually saw it also happen uh, literally in the world city. Jackie, one of the stories I often tell um, of yours, I tell lots of your stories, but one of, one, of the, one of the stories I often tell is about um, the woman who used to clear the sewers. With a stick. With a stick. And um, and just just yes. tell just tell the story of that and, and of her wedding because it's such a beautiful. Well, she story. she got very jealous because she she was uh, in her sixties uh, and she was still working and she got very jealous because all these men who believed in Jesus had got a new life. So she used to pull my sleeve when I walked down the street and she said, you know. I want to come and live in your house. I'll, I'll do your ironing, anything. And I tried not to tell her about Jesus um, in case she believed. Because um, we didn't have room for women. We'd got all these triads. This is not where you put a, an experienced drug, ad, uh, drug addict prostitute. So, but anyway, one day couldn't resist. So uh, we found a, a little, like a cupboard. Uh, she was she was very small, so uh, she was only about four foot ten. So we prayed her off drugs. Um, actually, there were some nuns that helped uh, who'd received the power of the spirit. So we all prayed in tongues, and 
she had a great time um and uh and came off drugs and then came to stay with us in our tin hut place which the government had lent us but she cried all the time and i thought this was when i was learning about healing oh my goodness she has watched her father having an affair with every female and male relative of his uh, watched her mother commit suicide she was um, engaged when she was uh, 18, I think. And having watched her father with all these affairs, uh, when he found out that she, was, um, she had slept with her fiancé, he threw her out. And that's how she came to, to, to Hong Kong and, and started to sell herself. Well, uh, she cried all the time and I thought, oh, she's had all these years of awful, awful, awful history. How many years do I need to pray for her? Do we need to pray over every hurt, you know? Um, but the answer was, was very simple. Um, we started to take her to an old people's home and she came back really angry and she said, well, it's not like us. They just, they don't have nice vegetables to eat. And they don't pray for them like we do. And she started to, to realize that if she prayed for them, she got more than they had. And she went to Wall City where there was a, another old prostitute because it was a terrible place. Um, mm. The old prostitute uh, couldn't move. Uh, she was just on a, on a flat bed, not wanted anymore. And she would just defecate on the bed and she had head lice. And so this lady, Elfrida, would started to sing uh, to the old lady and to take the lice out of her hair and came back a different person. I, I, I'm useful. She didn't need inner healing forever. Uh, and uh, then there was a, 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 a similar age gentleman who lived with us who fancied her. <laughs> and um, decided that he would like to marry her. So this all went very well. Um, it, well, a few hitches, a few hitches. Um, she, 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 the wedding was the great thing. She, she dressed in white. This was like her whole life in Hangfoot Camp, where I got married actually, same place. And there she was walking down the aisle. You know, she, she, uh, I, she hadn't really thought beyond uh, the wedding, but you've counseled so many couples, you'll know that a lot of them uh, don't think much beyond the wedding day either. Um, so there was a little problem on the wedding night, um, uh, but never mind. Uh, after that, a few weeks after that, she came to me and she said, there's another lady uh, who lived, uh, lived with us who wanted to get married to another of our ex-drug addicts. And she said to Elfrida, can I borrow your wedding dress? And Elfrida said, yes. And then she told me later, she said, I said, yes, but of course she can't. <laughs> she can't wear white. She's been married before. <laughs> ah, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> oh, Jackie, what what characters you've had there. It's lovely that you laugh so much um, with them. And I'm sure there are some that maybe have hurt you that have left or you've been disappointed, but you're still smiling and your faith hasn't diminished, even for the ones who will fall or do fall. You seem to keep keep going and they come back often, don't they? I, I, at the moment of death, I don't know about everyone. Uh, I, all I know is that anyone who's ever lived with us, will they never deny Jesus. Mm. Even if they don't apparently uh, go on that well, um, it, it's... Uh, but then I suppose uh, there are many believers like that. Um, there's always 
that they, they're very wistful about that wonderful time when they got off drugs and they were loved and people served them. Um, but uh, hundreds have turned out well. And what we've learned is that no matter what, the, the, the Lord pursues them um, as he pursues us. It, it's, uh, and very often the, the, the last few months of their lives are the very best. Mm -hmm. um, and, and their whole families come to believe. What an amazing interview that was with Nikki and Pippa and Jackie, longtime friends who have inspired each other in ministry for so many decades. Next time, you're going to be able to hear another conversation between Nikki and his close friends, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, and his wonderful wife, Carolyn. Carolyn is a leader in her own right. She's a spiritual director and initiated Women on the Frontline. We're so excited for you to get to be a fly on the wall and listen to this conversation between good friends. Now, before you go, please don't forget to hit subscribe if you haven't already and share this conversation with a friend who you think might appreciate it. Well, thanks for being on with us. We'll see you next time for Nikki's conversation with his good friends, Archbishop Justin and Carolyn Welby.